Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Luke chapter 2, we're going to read verse 1 through 20. If you need to sit down, you may. Just stand up on the inside. We stand in honor of God's Word. So if you're able to stand, wonderful. If not, don't worry. It's, it's fine. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, verse 2. This census first took place while Quinarius was governing Syria. So all of them went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was a house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And that is quite a verse. Because to betrothed, you should normally have a baby yet. And so it was, verse 6, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and all of the mothers said, Amen. And she brought forth, her first, brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings with great joy that will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. Everybody say that. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth goodwill towards men. And so it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said one to another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that, is, that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Father, I thank you for what you did in the first service. Now what you'll do in the second. Move in great power. Come on, lift your voice and ask God to speak to you. We're not here to fulfill a religious obligation. We're here to, to, to worship you, to hear from your word, to be changed. So I ask Holy Spirit, give us living understanding and release all that's in your heart towards us, your people, the flock in your care. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. We do have notes for you as they are being passed out now. What a passage. What a passage of Scripture. I want to build a foundation by which I can then give to you one of the greatest revelations I've heard here in the New Testament. Really, it's a, a, a revelation that I heard when I was in Israel traveling, uh, going to Bethlehem. We had the privilege of doing that a number of years ago. And our guide was, according to him, 
one of the descendants of the shepherds. So, I mean, you know, God knows whether that's true or not, but he was certainly a believer, and we had an amazing time there in Bethlehem. I want to bring your attention as I build the foundation before I move to this main text. Go to John 1 and chapter 29. And you see John the Baptist, and there he's baptizing, and he says this. He points to Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Would you say that? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And he points to Jesus. Now, if you're a Jew and you're sitting around getting ready to be baptized or you're listening to John the Baptist, and by the way, most all of them were Jews. I'm I'm sure possibly there were some Gentiles there, but the Gentiles weren't reached just yet. And so John the Baptist is preaching a baptism of repentance. And so if you're a Jew, and we know from the, from the text of Scripture that there is Pharisees and, and Sadducees and couldn't sees and wouldn't sees and all kinds of people there watching John the Baptist baptize people. And if you heard John the Baptist point and say, Behold the Lamb of God, what would come to your mind as a Jew? A closer look at this. John the Baptist's statement, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is God's gift to all mankind. He's God's gift to all mankind. And he came to take away the sins of the world. But as a Jew, what would he be referring to, the Lamb of God? What what would that mean? I believe that every Jew that heard him, that understood the law, understood that he was talking about Jesus as the Lamb of God based on the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. And so I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey before we get to Luke 2 and this revelation that these shepherds, I believe, had. This, the Lamb of God, is a reference to the sacrificial system we see that started with Adam and Eve. And if you go to Genesis chapter 3 and 21, now mankind has blown it. They've eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Genesis 3, 21, it says that, that the Lord God make tunics of skin for them. And if, they, if you can put these scriptures up as we move along, that'd be fantastic. They made tunics of skin. So what does that mean, a tunic of skin? Basically, an animal died, God skinned it, and gave them skins to cover their nakedness. And I would, uh, I would, I would say most likely... Now, I don't know, so I'm, I'm taking a little bit of liberty, but it lines up with this bloodline, if you will, and this lamb theme throughout the Old Testament and then fulfilled in Christ. I believe it's a lamb. Now, I don't know because it doesn't say. And so you have to be careful about saying things in Scripture that the Scripture doesn't say. But it's possible. Can I say it that way? It's possible that a lamb was sacrificed and it does line up. And so God covered them with skins. How many of you know, have you ever skinned a moose? Do you ever, do you ever skin a caribou? Yeah, lots of blood. So how many of you know, in Leviticus, it says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So immediately their nakedness is covered by who? God. Who covers their shame? God. Who covers their nakedness? God. Who covers your shame? The only one that can? God. Who covers your sin? Only God can. Only God can cover your sin. And so he covers them. And then you look at this next generation of Cain and Abel, and I want you to go there, Genesis chapter 4 and verse 4. I'm going to take a little bit of liberty to say, how would they know what the right way of sacrificing is? Now here in Genesis 4 and verse 4 and 5, we see that Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. 
and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, verse 5. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain went away very angry and his countenance fell. You can leave that up. So there's, there's an offering that comes to the Lord. It's a picture of first fruit. It's a picture of tithe. But how would Abel know to kill the firstborn of his flock? Because we can assume that it was taught to them by their parents. How many of you know, how many of you got kids? You need to teach your kids. And so we can assume that. But Abel brought what was required. Cain brought what he felt like. He brought what he wanted. Listen, what you want is not necessarily what's required. And so it says that Abel's offering was accepted, but Cain was rejected, and Cain gets mad. And I've known people that are mad. Heck of God, you don't do nothing for me. And he's like, man, obey my word, and I'll bless you. I mean, we should go to verse 6. I don't know if you could do that right now, but I mean, verse 6 goes on. This is warning from the Lord to Cain. It says, if you do right, you'll be accepted. If you don't do right, you're going to be jacked up, toe up from the flow up. That's what's going to happen to you. Leviticus 17 and verse 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for your soul. The blood. Go to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22 is this amazing historical event of Father Abraham and how he comes, obeying the Lord. And I'm going to read this to you. Pay close attention. Bump your neighbor and say, wake up. You want to hear this. <laughs> now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, he said, here am I. And he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. And go out to the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering in one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, the two took two of his young men with him, Isaac, his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering, rose and went out to the place which God had told him. Then look at verse 4. If you're all there, say amen. amen. Then on the third day, on the third, on the what day? On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Now let me just give you a little bit of Hebrew here. And I'm sure I'll mispronounce it, but the meaning is the same. The word there, afar off, saw the place afar off, is, is a word called merahuk. Now, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. New Testament is written in Koine Greek. It's not the Greek that we know it now. It's a different. And the Old Testament, Hebrew, most of it, some of it in the book of Daniel, Aramaic. So when you read, when you read in, your, in your hearing now is a translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. Okay. So when we read this, saw the place afar off, that is a translation that the translators gave. And, and it's accurate on one level. But when you read and study Hebrew and what Hebraic scholars, rabbinic scholars say, that this word, merahuk, is more than just afar off. It could also mean, go to John 8, by the way. You want to go there now? Go to John 8. It could also mean that Abraham on the third day lifted up his eyes and saw something of God in the future. Saw something of God off in the future. So in John chapter 8, in John chapter 8 and verse 56, is it? Watch this. Jesus talking to them, and they're all over him. I mean, they're just picking on him, religious people the same today even. Your father Abraham, 
rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Jesus says to the religious people, who do you think you are? Before Abraham was, it goes on to say, I am. And they picked up stones to stone him. Now, why would they pick up stones to stone him? Because what Jesus is saying very simply is this, that Abraham saw my day. Well, when did Abraham see your day? I believe Abraham saw it right here in Genesis 22. Back to Genesis 22. He goes up the mountain with the fire and the knife. Isaac is, they say, rabbinic scholars say he's 35, 36, 37. Uh, Gentile scholars say he's 17. Uh, I'm going to go with the Jews. Amen. (laughs) And so, I really, I'd like to think that he's more like 33. Why would you pick that number? Because guess when Jesus was crucified? 33. Isaac is a type of Christ. And Abraham brings him up to sacrifice him. And Isaac, who could have knocked and pushed his father down, come on, totally submitted to his father, who's a hundred and something years old. And so if he's 17 or 33, he could have said, I mean, you ain't stabbing me, slick. You ain't going to shank me, Dad. I'm out. <laughs> shank is a prison word for stab. Okay. <laughs> but he doesn't rebel. And, the, you know, Abraham picks up the knife. Come on, some of you remember this in cartoons. And he goes to sacrifice his son, and the angel says, stop. And he stops him and says, now I know you can be trusted. And Abraham looked and saw a ram. He had told his son in previous verses, God will provide a lamb. But God doesn't provide a lamb. God provides a ram. We could go on to say that Abraham was certainly a prophet. So when he said to his son, God's going to provide a lamb, that he meant God is going to provide a lamb. And he wasn't talking about the ram that God then provided. He was talking about another lamb because Abraham on the third day saw something afar off. Back in John 8, now Jesus talking to the Sadducees and Pharisees and the couldn't sees and the wouldn't sees and says, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. I believe that Jesus was seen by Father Abraham. And furthermore, this is going to blow your mind. Furthermore, the place where he's crucified is the same place where God brought Isaac up to to kill him. It's the same place. Oh, you missed a great place to say, whoa. The lamb was a sacrifice for sin. Jesus is the lamb of God. Isaiah 53 700 years before Jesus ever came. 700 years. We have, how do you know it's 700 years? We have the Dead Sea Scrolls that predate Christ. So it is an estimate. It is a guesstimate, but a, a fairly accurate one. And so we have those Dead Sea Scrolls that have sections of Isaiah and Daniel And Isaiah 53 says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was wounded for our iniquity. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. He was God's lamb, the sacrifice for our sin. Jesus is the, he was a suffering servant. Isaiah 53, we're writing the notes. Jesus is the Passover lamb that brought protection and redemption. And that is in reference to the Passover in the book of Exodus 
The final judgment upon, Israel, upon Egypt was the, the death of the firstborn and anyone who had the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their home when the destroyer, the death angel come would see the blood and would pass over. The same is true today that if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, his blood is upon the doorposts and the lentils of your heart. And when it comes, when that day comes, when that day comes for each and every one, when death comes, the death destroyer will pass over you and you go on to glory can you say amen? Amen. amen now I needed to give you that that foundation to understand what I'm about to tell you look at this text the text is profound the NIV misses the significance of what is said the King James does a good job new King James as well talking about this this Greek word of swaddling clothes Swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes were, were bandages of what one would be wrapped in when they died. That's one, one interpretation. There's a, a great scholar. He was a, he was a Jewish man by birth and by training. Later he became a follower of Jesus. His name is Alfred Edersheim. Does anybody know who that is? Okay, so you want to write that down, those of you that like studying God's Word, because this man did an amazing, amazing work. He's born in 1825, died and went on to glory, graduated in 1889. We'll get to see him later if you're saved. And if you're not, stick around. It's a great service. We'll take care of that at the end. Alfred Edersheim. And he wrote this book, The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah. And it's, it's a book uh, talking about Jesus and the, the culture, and he uses the Jewish Mishnah. The Mishnah is a collection of documents and the recording of oral, trend, uh, oral traditions governing the lives of Jewish people at the time of the life of Christ. So that's an important document because then you can understand things uh, and, and how Jesus said things and, and understand what was going on even in the mind of people. So the Mishnah talks expressly uh, and forbids flocks, sheep, to be, for the temple to be raised out in the wilderness. The sheep had to be raised for the temple, for the temple sacrifice, the lambs. Can I say it that way? The lambs had to be raised around Jerusalem. And the main place for the Levitical, they're called Levitical shepherds. Everybody say that. Levitical shepherds. The shepherds that the angels appeared to are not just some random shepherds that we like to think. No, they're not random at all. They're Levitical shepherds, and the sheep that they are tending, they are tending for one express purpose, which is this, to bring them to the temple for sacrifice. That's what Bethlehem was for. And we, when we went there, we saw the fields. It's still there. I mean, you can imagine it. It's kind of amazing. So when the angel shows up and says to them, Behold a lamb wrapped in swaddling clothes. Let me define that. First of all, there's a number of different ways to look at this, but all of it's cool. I'm not sure which one it is, but it's all amazing. One view of swaddling clothes is this. That when a lamb was born, first of all, lambs were born in caves. They used caves to bring forth their, 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 their lambs. And lambs would frequently be wrapped in these swaddling clothes. Just like, Does anybody know why you wrap a baby in swaddling clothes? I certainly know. It's been a little while. But I remember when we wrapped Hannah, she was just, her hands, she just liked flailing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? She's like, woo, just wanted to go crazy. And, and if they can poke themselves. They can hurt themselves. How many of you know you got to, you know, 
bundle that baby up and they like it. And they just sit there and Hannah used to just put her little lips like this. And we called her Rosebud. She still does it, but only when she's sleeping. And so, you know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know how to bundle a baby? Okay, so what they would do with lambs is they, they, it is said by one that they would bundle these lambs so they didn't flail around and, and mark themselves or mar themselves or hurt themselves. Why? Because a sacrifice for the temple had to be blameless, had to be perfect. And so they would watch after these lambs. Another way that they protected the lambs from being blemished was that they would wrap their legs. They would be a year old before they brought them to the temple. And they, I think it's five miles, I need to go look again, from, from Bethlehem to Jerusalem to the temple. And they would bind their legs up so when they're walking through the rocks and up the grade uh, to Jerusalem that they wouldn't hurt their legs or scar their legs on the way to be slaughtered. It is also said that swaddling cloths can also be that which is used by Jews when they would take long trips. Come on, Mary's nine months pregnant. I remember when my wife was, was just about full term and we were driving in a, a stiff, you know, one-ton truck, right? All the ladies, you understand what I'm talking about? Driving one to slow down. Can you, can you slow down? It's just like, can you imagine riding a donkey for 100 miles at full, at full term, 80 to 100 miles? On long journeys, it is said by Edersham that they would take their, these grave clothes, also called swaddling clothes, a gauze, and they would wrap it and tie it around their waist, that if they died as a Jew, the worst thing to be would be to be left open in a field exposed, that they could wrap your body and begin the preparation as was required by the law. So when Mary and Joseph get to the cave, because there's no room for them in the inn. And the baby comes forth. They wrap the baby, the lamb, in swaddling clothes. So when these Levitical shepherds heard about a baby being wrapped in swaddling clothes and came and saw the lamb of God, it blew their minds. And they went, my God has sent his lamb, the promised Messiah that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. They also knew their job was soon to end. That would be like their, well, it wouldn't be their two-week notice because it would be 30 years, but I mean like, you know, whoa, the Lamb of God, whoa, we're going out of business. <laughs> Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shepherds, because of their close proximity to the temple, they were raising sheep for the sacrifice. Sheep had to be without defect. Just write in your notes for all of you note takers. And it's suggested that these sheep, their legs were wrapped, as I told you. And, you know, I got to go to that, that cave. My wife and I did. And uh, it's supposed to be over the place where Jesus was born. And so we went, and there's this long line, and you have to wait. And uh, we're told that there's, we were told before we saw it, there's these, in fact, I put it up on my Facebook. You can go look. It's also on my Instagram. It's this hole in this marble floor. The cave's covered with marble, and there's all these religious trinkets and candles and all kinds of stuff. And there's this hole in the floor that has a 14-point star in silver all the way around it. 
And the 14 points are the 14 generations from Adam to David and 14 generations, and you can go read this in the Bible, and 14 generations from David to Jesus. I was going in with Dr. Morocco, who was in front of us. He was right in front of me, and he says, oh, you know, I've never, yeah, there it is. I've never, I've never stuck my hand in there. And we're getting a little closer as people in front of us were closing in, and I'm like, I'm not putting my hand in a hole in some cave. He says, you know, I've never touched that before. I've been through here dozen. He says, I'm going to do it. I said, okay, me too. <laughs> so he, he reached in, and after him I went, and I, I felt that thing and touched the floor of the cave. I said, ooh, the Lamb of God. All right, how do we respond? How do we respond to the truth that we behold Jesus as God's Lamb? Like I said in recent days, weeks, you have to have more faith that God didn't write this than faith that he did. And the more I study it, and I've been studying for a few decades now, a couple decades, 20-something years, been hearing it from Christmas stories in Catholic churches and seeing it on flannel graphs on and off as my parents made an attempt to bring us to church. I thank God for that, but it took me a while until I was born again. And I've been studying this for all these years, and I haven't even scraped the surface yet. But I'm convinced of the inerrancy of God's Word. And when you really take a deep look, in fact, every scholar I know of that gave it their all to study to disprove this became believers. Oh, this baby born in a manger, he didn't stay a baby, he grew. Genocide came, but God warned Joseph in a dream, and they went off to Egypt, fulfilling then the, the, the prophetic word, of, out of Egypt I called my son. Simultaneously fulfilling the, the Nazareth, out of Nazareth he was born. Nazareth meaning the branch in Isaiah. Over and over, there would be scholars that would study Isaiah, scholars that would read the prophecies of the Old Testament, couldn't figure out how does that happen? How does he come from Nazareth and he comes out of Egypt? And how does that happen? And God, God moves a nation. God moves the strongest nation in the world. He moves Rome and, and has, a, has a, a, a census take place so that he could fulfill the prophetic word out of Micah, that the the Messiah would come in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Jesus said, I am the bread comes down from heaven. I'm just telling you, you got to work really hard not to believe that he's the Messiah. He's God's lamb. He's the one who rose again from the grave. And don't just leave him in the little manger, oh, little baby Jesus, little baby Jesus. No, he grew up and took your sin in mind. He rose again from the grave in fulfillment of the scriptures and he's alive forevermore. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Christmas is about the birth of Christ. Christmas is about the Lamb of God that takes away, hey, the sin of the world. Oh, you ought to give a shout to God in this place. Come on. All right, it's time for the gifts. How do we respond to the truth? To behold Jesus as a lamb. Well, four quick points. Human works will not save you. We're all sinners. Therefore, we need a savior. You need a savior. I need a savior. Secondly, you got to choose him. You have to repent. Just because you came to church today doesn't mean you're going to heaven. 
Just because you got baptized doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Because your mom and dad serve God with all their heart doesn't mean that you are going to heaven. You have to make your own choice. You need a Savior. You need to choose Him. You need to repent. Thirdly, because we've been redeemed, set free from sin, Satan, we can live holy. Come on, I want you to say that. We can live, we can live holy so that we're not ensnared by the enemy again. You can live holy. And fourthly, we've got to be like the shepherds and proclaim what God has done. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.